Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. This sermon was given by Pastor Craig Kidder on August 22nd, 2021, as the final installment of the Church on Mission miniseries. What does the church do when it encounters obstacles while on mission? How does the church help people experience personal renewal when there is chaos and conflict? Pastor Craig tackles these and other issues that were realities for the church in Crete 2,000 years ago and continue to be realities for the modern church today. For more information, please visit compasscfc.com. Hello. Where's the line? If there is a line, where's the line between pointing out real obstacles and making excuses? Where's the line between like, hey, this is a problem. This is something that stands in the way. This is a real obstacle. We got to work around it and pointing those things out and allowing ourselves to then get paralyzed and or stuck because we pointed those things out. Where's the line? I don't know, but and from your seats, can anyone tell what this is or supposed to be? I'm just curious. Yes. Okay. These, thank you. My work here is done. I am a successful Missouri farmer. You know, uh, I never owned a house before. I moved to Missouri. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to live off the land, right? I'm going to do it. In my early 20s, I was at this party once, and uh, I was on, like, a deck, and it had, like, a trellis, right? And I remember just you're talking to people, and they're just talking to you. that We're having a good conversation, and they just reach up, and then they just, and they're eating grapes. And I was like, wow. I'm, like, living in the great Gatsby. This is amazing. This is so cool. I'm going to do that. I move to Missouri. I get, I get space. I am going to do this. I'm going to live off the land, just Craig and the land, right? So uh, how's it going for me, they say. Uh, I just want to point out, uh, I don't know what this is. Someone thought it might be like a tree, like the seedlings of a tree. It's not a strawberry. Uh, I grew exactly, I, I harvested exactly zero strawberries this year. Uh, thank you. I heard some sympathy. Uh, and I don't know what happened. Because, like, you know, I think it could have been, like, I had it, it was at the back of the house. You know, I don't go back there very often because there's lots of nature that's trying to kill me. It could have been that, you know, at first I was like really on it. So with one of my little ones, Bowie, Bowie and I, I mean, he was like really anxious to help me, but then, you know, he would like dump too much water in and I was like, yo, whoa, try to kill these things. Like, you know, they're, and then I don't know, this might've been another obstacle in the way. I don't, I didn't know what they were called, but they're like, they should be called like apocalypse beetles, but they're like these like greenish, like Japanese beetles. Is that a thing? Yeah. The devil, okay? So I, you can see, and it's mostly on the brown ones, so I don't know if that's like correlation, but there's all these little holes from these Japanese beetles. And I don't know what to do. Like you flick them off and they just come right back, right? I don't know what to do. I mean, I can't just live out there trying to kill all these Japanese beetles. So needless to say, uh, my farming career is on pause. Now, there were all these obstacles, right? I got three young kids. That's not ideal time to try to be farming, right? Uh, you know, I, it's in the back of the house. I forget about it. There's all these obstacles. And at what point, where's the line where I allow these obstacles to become excuses? Where, and, and again, maybe excuses is too harsh, right? But here's what's happening, right? It's like, well, I can't do this because I don't remember I just don't. I'm like, oh, man, how long has it been since we watered the garden? Uh, like two weeks. Like, really, I'm like, oh. And, you know, I, like, I feel like I'm just keeping this thing on life support, right? I just would forget, right? That's one thing. Uh, you know, and so I, ha- I list out all the obstacles, right? I'm, I'm also not good at it, right? That's another obstacle. I don't really care to get good at it. That's another obstacle. And I can just keep looking at all these obstacles and just get totally stuck. And what happens is... I can start to develop this mindset of, you know what? I just need to wait till there's no obstacles. Oh, here we go. That's my new strategy. I'm going to wait. And then when I'm in a season, the kids are older. I have a desire to grow strawberries, whatever it is. When all the obstacles are out of the way, then I'll be Farmer Craig. Missouri farmer extraordinaire, all right? They'll write books and songs about me, all right? Once the obstacles get out of the way, we're off to the races. The problem with that is if we're constantly waiting for the obstacles to get out of the way, 
it's a long, long wait. You may never get going if you're waiting for every obstacle to get taken care of. We're in a series before we launch into the fall called Church on Mission. What do we mean by that? What does it mean to be a church on mission? How do we be a church on mission? All we're saying is we, in our moment as a generation, we want to have a rekindled fire and passion and excitement around Jesus's last will and testament. As he's leaving, he says to his followers, go, make followers, make disciples of all nations. And we say, we want to discover what that looks like in our moment. We want to get excited about it. And we want to be off to the races after Corona, though. I mean, like, it's hard, right? It's a lot of uncertainty. Have you heard about the Lambda variant? All right, we're running out of letters in the Greek alphabet. They just keep popping up. This one's popping out of fruit. And everyone's like, it's way worse than Delta. And it's like, oh my gosh. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, church on mission. We'll start that after Lambda. All right? So just wait a, you know, a week or two, and we'll, we'll, then we'll get on mission. Oh my gosh, it's so polarized right now. I mean, I can't say anything without people trying to guess where I'm at politically. I just talked about the land of variants. Like, where is he coming from? What does he really think about the coronavirus? Which party is he in, right? Everything's crazy polarized. We find out what party someone's in. We identify, we put them in a box, and then we just fight the box. Let's wait till that calms down to get on mission. Let's, let's just wait till all the obstacles are out of the way, and then we'll be a church on mission. Right? You know, we've compassed. We just like localize this for a second. We've been at it for 52 years, right? There are some people like, man, we started things and stopped before. I'm just a little tired, right? I've seen this movie before. We tried that in 09. Yeah, we read that book in 99. Let's just, let's just see how it gets going. Then we'll get going, right? We'll wait till the obstacles are out of the way. Then we'll be a church on mission. I'm not the prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but if that becomes our strategy, we're going to look like that pretty soon. All right? There is another option, though. Instead of waiting for the obstacles to get out of the way, what if the obstacles are the way? What if, what if, instead of waiting for our moment to change, waiting for the, the, the cultural tides just... Oh, man, this is easy. What if we learn to follow Jesus in our moment? Now, fortunately, this has happened before. All right? This has happened before where a church was off and running. They were on mission. They were excited. People were growing. And then they ran into obstacles. And so Paul had left one of his protégés on an island. Don't you wish you could have got that post, Right? Right? Like, hey, you, gotta, you get to be on this island in the Mediterranean planting churches. Sign me up. All right? So there was an island in the Mediterranean called Crete. And Paul said this island would be extremely, extremely, it could be extremely influential for a church on mission. The whole world ascends to this island, right? It had ports all around it. And so people from the east, people from the west, the south, so Africa, Asia, Europe are coming and they're doing business there. And what if the new humanity lived, worked, and played on that island? Man, the church could really start to go on mission and be off to the races. And then they had a problem. Some locals got into leadership and they blended their own localized religion with Christianity. And what happened was you had leaders in these house churches who were just in it to make money and who also were uh, using people for their own sexual advances. So you had these abusive leadership. And so Paul writes a letter to his young protege and says, hey, we gave it the old college try, but you know, uh, there's too many obstacles. Titus, why don't you pack up and come on home? And that's the book of Titus. And so that's where we are today. We're just going to pack up and go home. Thank you. No. Paul says, hey, there are challenges. There are obstacles. Titus, here's how we're going to navigate and be a church on mission through those obstacles. And we're going to have people experience renewal in the midst of these challenges. When there are off-ramps, we are not going to take them. 
When, if you're in a horse race and your horse is losing, you don't lighten up. You don't say, okay, yeah, it would be nice. It'd be nice to cross the finish line, but ah, you know, they, those, that horse with a way funnier name than me probably deserves it better. Let's just call it a day. No, Paul says, hey, Titus, you're in a tough moment. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to navigate through that tough moment. And he makes this amazing statement in, in Titus 2. Amazing statement. And here's one of the reasons. Paul is really tricky to understand because he's, he's, again, I mean, he lived 2,000 years ago. Obviously, he's going to speak a little differently than we think he should speak. But he kind of speaks in like a circular way. So you're going to read this verse and you're going to be like, I don't see that verse in there. But he sa- this is what he says. He says this, grace, grace teaches us to live in our moment. Grace, grace, God's faithful love, grace, God's favor, his kindness, his faithful love toward us teaches us how to live, how to navigate, how not to take our basketball and go home, how to stay engaged. Grace teaches us to live in Charles Haddon Spurgeon's moment. In Jonathan Edwards' moment, in Corey Ten Boom's moment, in any moment that was easier than mine. No. Grace teaches us to live in our moment. We don't have to throw in the towel, we don't have to give up. He has given us the skills and the tools we need to navigate this insanity. Please believe me, this is a weird moment we're in. I mean, it's weird, right? Like, we just, we, I can't even talk about all the ways it's weird because, I mean, you guys will just, be, you know, your imagination will just run away. It's, wow, there's just so many weird things that are happening right now. And you know what's beautiful? God has placed you and me in this moment on purpose for a reason so that people around us can experience renewal. And in that process, we experience renewal. So today... Today, we're going to talk about the secret sauce, all right? We're giving you the recipe for Szechuan sauce today, all right? Yes, well, I got, I got one, all right. Here's what we're doing. We're talking about the next three years here at Compass. What's just a, a roadmap? How can we navigate a moment when the only certain thing is uncertainty? Do we have a map at all? Is there a plan? Now, here's... I give you the plan with open hands and and an asterisk, okay? All right? I'm going to set a rule about the plan, okay? You ready for the rule? We like rules, right? Rule followers out there, come on. Any rule followers? I'm giving you one rule, just one rule today, okay? One rule is this. We cannot be surprised when it doesn't work out. (laughs) All right? Church... By the very nature of what church is, it's a bunch of people who know they don't measure up, who know that, hey, they've experienced brokenness and their life is a little bit of a dumpster fire. It's a collection of all those people getting together and trying to do something. It is not a surprise when it doesn't work out. The surprise is when it does work out. It's like, whoa, that's beautiful. Look at that. That's pretty awesome. So now what is not going to happen today is I'm like, hey, here's the next three years. Here's what we're headed toward. Here's what we're aspiring toward. Here's what's already happening. Let's celebrate this. Let's move. And someone goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, this, is, this is a dumpster fire. You can ask questions. We can always ask questions. But it, th- there will be obstacles. This, these seven rules are not like, hey, this is an obstacle-free path. We're saying in the midst of obstacles, here's a path we're trying to chart forward. You know what's going to happen on that path? A dog's going to come out. I don't like strange dogs. Some people are going to run away. There's going to be all kinds of bees. We're going to run into bees. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be people, just like the trail, that are riding bicycles, and they don't say, on your left, and ah, we all get scared. And if that's you, you need to stop. You need to repent, all right? That's not cool, all right? (laughs) We're navigating uncertainty, all right? And we're saying, here, let's just put one foot in front of the other. And it's no surprise if it doesn't work out. All right? We feel good? I feel good. That's all. That's all. All right. That's all I need. All right. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. What's happening in Titus? Well, we're doing tropical church planting. We're on the island of Crete. And uh, the Cretans uh, worshiped this god, Zeus. 
And Zeus was a nefarious god. He would, you know, seduce women. He would lie. He would cheat. And he would steal. Paul opens the book by talking about the god of creation, the one true living god, and says this god doesn't lie. Why does he say that? Zeus lies. He's trying to combat false teaching because these false teachers had sneaked in, and again, they're making money, and they're just like seducing people. They're, they're just living like they're gods. They've mixed Zeus and Jesus together. And what had happened was Christians started following their leaders, and it was chaos, utter chaos. And so Paul says to Titus, hey, you need to teach things that fit with sound Doctrine. We're going to talk about what that means. Because if you're like me, we read that, we misread that with our Western ears. You're going to teach things that fit with sound doctrine. And then he talks about different stages of life people are at. You're going to help people navigate life through these stages. And then he says, you're going to teach these things with all authority. We're going to be a church on mission, no matter the obstacles that come our way. Titus chapter 2. If you have a Bible, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Well, even if you don't have a Bible, just peer pressure. All right, we're going to start in chapter 1, though, verse 16, because it's important for you to hear the contrast, okay? Titus chapter 1, starting in verse 16. They, so not you, but they, they claim to know God. Who's that? The false teachers, right? They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for good works. However, so they do this. However, you must teach what's appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or winos, but to teach what is good. Then they can encourage the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them as an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed, because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back. Don't worry. We'll get there, all right? Do not worry. And not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Why should we do all this? I'm glad you asked. Because... The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, a people, that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. This is the word of the Lord. God, God, we need your help. We are in a wild moment, Lord. And so easy for us to just disengage. Friendships are being challenged. Relationships are being called into question. Christians are behaving in ways that are not lined up with this new humanity. God, give us wisdom. Give us ears to hear. I pray that you would help us to live in accordance with sound doctrine. I ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. In, verse, in chap, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, we hear something. I wanna, I'm just curious. Just curious, just, you know, noodling around up here. Uh, when I read this, you, however, so remember, he talked about the false teachers. They're, they claim to know God, but they're just, they're living like Starsky and Hutch, all right? They're just all over the place. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to, and then what do your translations say? Everybody say sound doctrine. Do we have anything else? Anything else? Sound teaching, okay? Any word other than sound? Wholesome. Wholesome. What version is that? 
That is brilliant. The NLT hits the nail on the head. Wholesome teaching. Now, we still kind of miss it a little bit. When I say, hey, we are a church that loves sound doctrine. What the image, for me at least, I can't speak for you, but the image for me that that creates is kind of like, hey, we're very serious. We've got a list of our, all our doctrines we believe and then all the things we say, and we make sure that they line up. And we're very fastidious to make sure that no one says anything that doesn't line up with the list. So we've got the list, we've got our systematic theologies, and, we've got, and we're lining things up. We care about being right. Okay, that's not, look, we, we very much care about truth. All right, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Okay, we very much care about truth. Please don't misunderstand me. We care about truth. That's not actually, though, what Paul has in mind when he says, speak things in accordance with wholeness, with whole teaching, okay? That word that means sound, when it's translated into the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it is always, this is very rare, it's always translated as the word shalom, okay? Maybe you've heard that, shalom. The word shalom means peace. It means taking two things that were separated and bringing them together, unity, wholeness. All right, so for example, there's a hole in a wall, and Solomon brings shalom in 1 Kings 9 to the wall. Titus is not saying, oh my goodness, this church is going off the rails. Make sure they've got the facts down. All right, no, he's saying, hey, their lives are split in half. They say they believe one thing, but yet they're living in a way that's totally contrary. And he says that in chapter 1, verse 16, about the false teachers. They claim to know God, but they utterly deny him. Why does that matter? Because Crete matters. There were Cretans watching the church. And we see in verses, I think it's verse 5, it says, um, the end of verse 5, you need to live this way. Why? So that no one will malign, not you, but what? The word of God. Again, in verse 8, do this. Why? Because that those who are opposed may have nothing bad to say about us. He's saying this. We are claiming to be the new humanity. We're claiming there's a new way to be human. And then... We go live like Starsky and Hutch. I'm not even really sure what that means, but it sounds fine, right? We just go live like, we just live just like everybody else. We say money won't buy you happiness, but I have a lot of money. But just trust me, it won't buy you happiness. Sex won't fulfill you, but I'm living like it might. And people watch and they're like, we don't need God's word. There's nothing new about this. We're already doing this. And what's happened? The mission of the church is at stake. Paul is saying to Titus, stay engaged because those Cretans matter. We are going to take Jesus' last words seriously. We are going to go and we're going to make disciples and it's going to get hard. And we're going to navigate through that. And so just really quickly, a lot of things get said, a lot of wild things were said in chapter 2. All right? These are called household codes. And just really simply, if we can just navigate it simply, let's just talk about the biggest one here, slaves. Okay? We're like this. Paul, pro-slavery, pause for a second. Just Can we hit the pause button? Okay? Here's what we have going on. And if we understand what Paul is really saying to the slaves about how they're supposed to live as slaves, we actually can understand what he's also saying to those who aren't slaves. So he's talking to people who are older men, Older women, younger women, younger men, all right? And then he's talking to people who are slaves. That's one household. He's saying to pe- people who live in Crete, here's what he's saying, ordinary folks. We're talking about ordinary people who live on this island, all right? We need to meet them where they are and help them follow Jesus in ways that are appropriate to the season they are in. Let me say that again. You need to meet people where they are and help them follow Jesus in ways that are appropriate to the seasons they are in. Now, when that comes to slavery, let's unpack that really quickly. Paul is not saying slavery is good, okay? Part of the reason we think, we have American slavery in our minds, okay? And the evil, the evil that was American slavery is not the same as the evil 
Again, the evil that was Roman slavery. All right, one was race-based and evil, and one was just financially based and evil. But Paul, in several other letters, but notably the letter to Philemon, tells a runaway slave, his master, he says, hey, receive back your slave as an equal. Now we're starting to untangle this weird web. Paul is saying to these slaves, hey, your equals in this new humanity, all right, your equals. And so he's saying, don't start a slave revolt. That's just going to get squashed. But if you live like new humanity in the moment you find yourself, what's going to happen eventually is slavery will run out of oxygen. So imagine this. These, these households, these people, Christians, who had slaves, which we were like, how could that happen? Again, let's be careful of what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery. There are definitely going to be things that just our grandkids, maybe even our kids, are like, I can't believe Craig used to fill in the blank, right? All right, so these Christians who had slaves are now working to treat, to be equals. And so a watching world, if you, an equal, right? Eventually it's like, hey, I'm going to not beat up this person who works for me. Yeah, I got him for seven years and I can do whatever I want to. I'm, I'm going to stop beating him up. I wouldn't want to be beat up. And then eventually that leads to, oh, you know what I'm going to do? Maybe I should start paying this person. I would like to be paid if we're equals. And then eventually it's like, maybe I shouldn't have slaves at all. And eventually you've just taken the air right out of the room. And slavery now is not a possibility. Paul is meeting people where they are and then walking them toward renewal. That's not how we would do it. We'd come in and be, stop it, stop it. And you know what would happen? Nothing. All right, like, look, look again, I sound like a dead horse here, but like, have you ever seen anyone's mind get changed about vaccines, masks, anything? No. And Paul is saying, enter people's worlds and walk with them toward redemption, toward renewal. Why? Why, 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 why? I'm glad you asked. Because God's grace teaches us to live in the moment. Even how we do this is, is an experience and an exercise of grace. We meet people where they are and we walk toward renewal. So, what does this look like for Titus? Well, it looks like older men and older women. What's he encouraging them to in verses 2 and 3? He's saying this, parent and mature the community. What's appropriate for people who are older? That's, that's not me. That's Paul saying some people in church are older. What's it look like? What's appropriate for older people? Well, he says this, be sober-minded. All right? It's not appropriate if we're supposed to be parenting and nurturing a community to get wound up and go crazy because we saw something on the news. That is not sober-minded. We're supposed to nurture and pour into the next generation. And when we experience that maturity, everybody, the people involved, pouring in, and the people receiving that, experience renewal. And he's talking to younger men and women. He's saying, hey, you've been led by these false teachers who encourage you to live like Zeus with Jesus-y language. Stop doing that. Parents and care for your household. He's calling people to maturity for the seasons of life they're in. And with slaves, he's saying, don't leave culture, don't run away, don't, don't start a revolt, stay engaged. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, famous uh, German Lutheran pastor, once said, people who live life with one leg on the earth will probably live in heaven the same way. People who live life with one foot on earth will probably live the same way in heaven. He's saying to these slaves, be earthy, live in your moment. Be on mission now. That was Paul. That was Titus. What about us? How are we, as a church community, going to be on mission? Remember, what did we say about these seven steps forward? Let's not be surprised if it doesn't work out. And I got a verse for you, okay? Paul says that to Titus. All right, look with me at verse 15. He repeats again, these things you should teach. So you're equipping. This is, this is a movement of the people, right? We're equipping folks. You should teach these things. Encourage and rebuke with all what? Authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Why is that? Because he's going to run into obstacles, all right? So just because there's a path forward doesn't mean we made it home. All right? Doesn't mean we give up, but it doesn't mean like, ah, oh, we nailed it. We have a plan. I'll see you in a couple years. All right? We're not going to be surprised if there are obstacles. So how do we be a church on mission here at Compass in this weird, wild season we find ourselves? 
Number one, bless your neighbor. Bless your neighbor. How do we follow the example of Paul and not uh, join a culture war like he's encouraging these slaves not to do? And how do we like not just think people are an argument to be won? How do we really engage our neighbor because our neighbors matter? We bless our neighbor. What do I mean when I say bless? Well, bless is an acronym that this was like Pastor Ed's parting gift to us. Uh, he gave us a book that this came from and the elders have been learning this and we keep circling back around to this. Uh, bless. Begin with prayer. Now, some of us may be thinking like, man, I don't, I don't know how to talk to people about Jesus. I don't know how to do all this. Well, I have good news for you. Step one is we begin with prayer. Even right now, right now, God may be laying someone on your heart that you care about. They may be far from God. They may have gone to church and now they no longer do. God's laying them on your heart. What can you do? You begin with prayer. God, God, help me to care for this person. Help me to just look for ways that they can experience renewal. Well, you are already off to the races. That's something that we should celebrate. You came in here being like, I have no idea what the next three years are going to look like. And now you're already down the track. That's something to celebrate. I'm being dead serious, right? Like, we, people don't change by like, oh, oh, I feel terrible. I should do more of this. I should talk to my neighbor and I feel really bad. No, you, this is something we all can do. And look, talking about God's grace teaching us to live in our moment, any moment where a, a revival has, if you study revival where there's been an outpouring of the spirit, where things that should take 10 years take like 10 months, any time it was preceded by a dark time, all right? The American Revolution was a dark time. All right? Like the, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, dark times. All right? Prohibition, dark times. And we see this outpouring of gospel ministry. Right? Why? Not because there are great preachers, but because lay people said, this is something I can do. And we all can do this. We all can just begin with prayer. God, who's a neighbor? Who's someone in my sphere of influence that you've uniquely put in my life that I can pray for? All right? Listen attentively. I've been invited a few places to speak, right? I have never been invited anywhere to just listen, all right? Listening is a lost art in the digital age. We are all fighting to be heard. We all are very clever, and people just need to know how clever we are, all right? But imagine if you knew somebody who listened, and it's very easy to listen, right? You can just be on a mind-wandering extravaganza, but if you just, people, wow, and just nod every few seconds, don't do that. Actually, try to listen. But like, if we were people who were praying for neighbors, if we're praying, God, bring people in my path. God, help me to be on mission. Bring someone in my path. I, oh, man, they're here. God, help me to listen. God, what are they saying? God, help me, help me to just hear that. Help me to remember that. Help me to care about this person. So we begin with prayer, we listen, then we eat together. Now, talk about obstacles, right? I'm just going to say this, all right? I know there are probably, I would say, I, you know, I'm not, what's that phrase? Uh, statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. Is that what it is? I would imagine that 90% of you have been out to eat in the past six months, okay? How do I know that? I've been walking around downtown, right? I've seen many of you, and I've seen restaurants. All right, we're all eating, and we have people over, and we're hanging out, okay? We can use corona as an excuse. Oh, I, you know, I just want to be cautious. And there are people who are at risk. I'm not saying if you're at risk, I'm not trying to push you into danger, all right? But we can eat together, all right? So find people and eat together. This is so important. Walls come down when we eat together. There was an old UN ambassador who had a, a quote of like, if we, if we could get warring countries in the same room and have them eat a mango, we would have world peace. All right? If you've ever eaten a mango with a skin on it, you'd know what they're talking about. Walls come down when we eat together. Serve them. That's the next S. Serve them. I have a friend who uh, loves Bless, and he's been doing it with his neighbors. And I'm, like, super convicted, right? Because I'm like, hey, how's Bless going? He's like, man, like, my neighbors, like, one neighbor had a pile of sticks. The other neighbor had a truck. I connect them together. I'm like, hey, you've got sticks. You've got a truck. I got sticks. Let's get this all together. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, how's my Bless going? I think I'm at a place where I see my guy I'm praying for. And I'm like, oh, that was him. Oh, he's gone. 
Okay, all right. So, you know, I, I got a friend who he's like, you know, changing the world. And I'm like, uh, still on step one. And this is just how far this is going. We dropped Valentine's Day cookies off for uh, the guy I'm trying to bless. He wasn't home, so we just left the Valentine's Day cookies. That's how long I've been at this. And I still haven't had a conversation with him. All right. But why am I not concerned about that? Why am I not like, oh, I should just give up? Grace teaches us to live in the moment. It's, there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be things that derail us. But this is about embodying and experiencing grace along the way. We're going to mess this up. This is being taught to you by someone who's not, I mean, I'm okay at it, but it's not going as great as I would like it to. All right? So bless. We're going to serve. We're going to eat together, serve, and then share your story. This is not about winning an argument. This is not about having all the answers. It, hey, my name's Craig, and Jesus, Jesus Christ saved my life. No one can argue with that. That's not an argument to be had. You're just sharing your story. But again, we're not starting by sharing our story. We're showing someone we care about them, their love, this is safe, and then we earn the right to share our story versus viewing people as projects. We want to really be a blessing to them. This also is trying to rescue us from like, I mean, like, when I was a kid, they called it, like, friendship evangelism, which we're not against. But, like, how I experienced friendship evangelism was, like, yeah, I'll be their friend, then I'll share the gospel. And we've been friends for, like, 15 years. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Right? We're trying to say, hey, God, I want to be a blessing. I'm going to share my story, whether they receive it or not, and I'm going to trust that to you. I'm not trying to win an argument, but I am going to be a blessing. That is step one on this wild path we're headed on together. Step two, invite your neighbor to Compass Outreach Initiatives. Invite your neighbor to Compass Outreach Initiatives. Uh, next Sunday, uh, Marshall mentioned we're starting uh, launch Sunday. And throughout the fall, we're going to try to do things like barbecues. We're going to have a worship night. We want to create safe places where you just would want to bring your friend to these events. We've done this in the past. Remember uh, driveway groups? That was a space. It was Corona. We didn't know what to do. We didn't think people were going to go into each other's houses. So we're like, let's just sit in the driveway. And what happened? People shared stories, and it was amazing. Real relationships, real connections were made. That's what we want to do. We want to say, hey, let's be a blessing to someone. Let's keep that relationship going. And let's invite them to some of these outreach things. Let's say, hey, why don't we, maybe it's a weekend service. Maybe it's something that we do throughout the week, just a barbecue. But let's, maybe it's golf night with Marshall. You can learn to golf from Marshall, who I don't know if you know this. He, uh, he cheats at golf. He's... I'm just kidding. I'm just, the reason I say he cheats at golf, because he had me read this book. It was a really long book about why you shouldn't cheat at golf. And basically, people who cheat at golf are like the worst people on the planet. It's all. If, if you meet someone and they tell you they cheat at golf, just walk away, all right? So Marshall doesn't cheat at golf. But yeah, maybe it'll be a golf night with Marshall, right? Invite them to a Compass Outreach Initiative. And, and what that also means, by the way, is that that changes how we interact, all right? If, if we're at these outreach initiatives, we can't be super assumptive. We can't assume all these things on people, our guests. We want to be hospitable. We want to be welcoming because we don't know people's stories. All right? And create an environment that you would feel comfortable with your friend, someone you love who's far from God stumbling into. All right? We want to do that together because we're hospitable. This is a hospitable community. Number three, join a connection group. Next week, we're going to be announcing, but we're starting connection groups back up. Why are we starting those back up? Because it is impossible for you to follow Jesus by yourself. Following Jesus is a community effort, all right? And here's the other thing. If Compass Church had a tagline, it should be something like, Compass Church, do not judge a book by its cover. Why do I say that? Some of you have crazy backstories, all right? And you would just never know that looking at you. Like some of you have just, I mean, I used to think I, yeah, I've, I've been around. I've done some crazy things. Some of you are insane. Like some of the things some of you have done, I'm like, you're like, are you, you're the real life Dos Equis guy. Like you're the most interesting person I've ever met. And I would never know that looking at you. But you know how, you know why we never know that? Because we never share our stories. We come in, we worship, we go, and then we're like, there's nothing for me here. The person beside you is wildly interesting. Yep. Yes. All right. And when we join connection groups, it's like this, oh, man, I'm not alone. There's other people struggling. There's other people with questions. There's other people whose kids are just awful. 
My kids are great. I actually, we're super, I'm not saying that about my, uh, for a friend. All right. <laughs> Number four, this is going to sound legalistic, but just live with it. All right. Number four, sit with Jesus each morning. All right. Some, now, I already, I hear it. That's a rule. That's legalistic, pastor. I do my quiet time at night. No, you don't. You watch Netflix at night, all right? You're watching Chef's Table. You are not, you're watching, you're watching Top Chef. You are not doing your quiet time. You are just watching TV till you're bored and you're going to bed, all right? Here's why this matters. Do you know what if-then statements are? Like, if someone gave me Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, then I'd be a happy camper. All right, you see the relationship there? If this happens, then this, okay? If you abide in me, you will bear fruit, okay? I was reminded of this. How do strawberries grow? They do not grow because the strawberry bush is like, they abide with life-giving nutrients, photosynthesis, science-y things. I don't know, all right? I clearly don't know. If we abide in Jesus, we will bear fruit. If you are around Jesus, guess what? He rubs off on you. Why? Because the grace, verse 11, the grace of God has appeared. That word appeared means something that was previously hidden is now on full display. And time with Jesus is just saying, God, I sit in your presence. God, help me see where you're working. God, this feels hard. I invite you into this moment. Now, if we just wait for chance to get these moments, they will be sporadic. But if you add it to something you already do, for example, when you brew your cup of coffee in the morning, you just go sit with that cup of coffee for 10 minutes with Jesus. That's abiding. I feel like I should be like learning Hebrew. Don't worry about it. Just sit with Jesus. I know Hebrew. I know Greek. I read, the Sept I read Amos in the Septuagint. Let me tell you this about that, okay? I worked for this my whole life. I mean, there were years, years, not months, years. And I was like, is this worth it? But here's what happened. I have met Jesus in incredibly profound ways. And all I had with me was a cup of coffee. He shows up. He shows up when we sit, all right? Is that legalistic? No, maybe. I don't know, but he shows up. And we're gonna just seek those moments. Sit with Jesus each morning. That's how we can be a church on mission. Now, join an adult education class. I know, I know people, we love Sunday morning. We make a big deal out of Sunday morning. But here's the thing. Here's the real thing. If, if I tell you, hey, all you need to follow Jesus is an hour a week. You come in here, you hear a great sermon, you hear great music, and then you go out. I'm lying to you. All right? We live in a complex world. How should we follow Jesus in a complex world? You need more than an hour to unpack those things. So we have these adult education classes that we're, we want to meet you where you're at. So this, we'll call it whatever, whatever helps people get there. They used to be called Sunday schools. We can call them Sunday schools. There's going to be one on Sunday morning starting in a couple weeks. And there's going to be one on Thursday around lunchtime. Why are we doing Thursday around lunchtime? Because one of the concerns people had was, well, if we do them at night, you know, I don't see well at night and I'm, I'm worried about going out. Or, hey, I'm busy. I got a job. We'll just call them the brown bag Sunday school. Bring your lunch in a brown bag. Your lunch hour. We're going to go through the what is the Bible deeper. I heard that sermon series. Oof. There was so much on the cutting room floor that will change your life, all right, and will help you actually navigate following Jesus in this moment. It will just be like, you see the king in his beauty? Come do that, because this isn't enough time. Like, I feel stuck spiritually. Yeah, because we don't have enough time to move you down the path. One hour a week won't cut it, all right? So join adult education classes. Now, you're going to see some brackets, Six and seven. And I apologize that this is just awkward. I don't know like a cooler way to make it less awkward. Learn your shape, share your shape. Okay? What are, what are we talking about with shape? Shape, I'm going to say this a couple times, so don't worry if it's fast. Your spiritual gifts, heart, your abilities, personality, and experiences. All right? Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences. 
What are we talking about? I, uh, before I came here, I was part of a church plant in Los Angeles, California, and uh, one of the things that we just really needed were we needed musicians. And I'll just never forget, I was sitting with a musician, this guy who played keys, okay, and we needed a keyboard player. And he wrote jingles for commercials, and he was awesome at keyboard. I'm like, yes, thank you, Jesus. The future is bright, right? And so I'm sitting with him as we're preparing to, uh, I'm going to make the pitch, for him being our keyboard player, right? And I'm sitting with him, and we're watching the band practice before church, and he's like, you know, Craig, one of the things I really love about this church is you guys want me, you're encouraging me to serve out of this shape, out of who God has made me to be, just not what people need me to be. So every church I've been at, people are like, oh, you play keys? Let's just make you a keyboard player. But like, I really feel called and led to listen to people, to facilitate conversations. Is there like, was that like a small group leader? Do you think I could be a small group leader? I'd love to do that. And I'm just like, mm, yes, yes, that's great. That's wonderful. That'd be great. That'd be great. Ah. All right. We're not empire building here, folks. We're not just trying to do inflatable church, like, like build it as fast as you can and as big as you can. No, 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 no. If we're a church where people are using their spiritual gifts, their heart, the things that they love, the things they're passionate about, the abilities, the things that they're good at, that they've spent a life cultivating gifts uh, and abilities around, their personality, who they are, and their experiences, what they've walked through to serve. We are going to be a church on fire. I experienced this last week. So, for example, I was out to lunch with a friend, and uh, we bumped into the folks from the City of Refuge. It's a nonprofit in town that serves refugee families. And they start, oh, did you tell Craig about the deer thing? And I was like, oh, what's the deer thing? And, you know, my friend was like, well, you know, I'm kind of a, a, an avid outdoorsman. Me too. <laughs> and he's like, so, you know, with refugees, a lot of these families are, they've just, they're new to America. They're struggling to get their footing. They don't have, they don't have a ton of food. And so here's what we do. I hunt. And I'm friends with all these hunters. And so what we do is I just reach out to them and I say, hey, let's try to get 200 deer this season. And we drop these deer. And then at, the, at midway, uh, some hunter pulls up in a, in a pickup truck. A family pulls up. They open the trunk. Apparently, again, I don't hunt. Apparently, this is a big deal. They don't even field dress the deer. All the hunters said, woo, right? That's what hunters I've run that by say. They just take a whole deer, throw it in the trunk, and then now a family is being fed and needs are being met. How? Through someone's shape, their abilities, their experiences, their passions. If we, if we can do that together, if we can as a church say, here's who we are, here's how we know how we've been gifted, here's how we know our experiences, we know who we are, and we can serve out of that, we're going to gravitate toward what we're passionate about. There are people who are passionate about things and they spend a ton of time with it, but they have no idea how that connects to the kingdom of God. The alternative to that, the alternative to doing the hard work to figure out who we are and how that can serve the kingdom is we just try to copy what's working in other churches. So, wow, they're doing this at the crossing. We just got to find this seven steps and we'll, then we'll do it here and boom, that will work and we'll be that church. We'll find, oh, they're doing this at Anthem. Well, we'll find these seven steps and boom, we did. We nailed it. That doesn't work. And it's exhausting. And then you have this culture of, oh, yeah, we tried this back in 99. Yep, we did this in 07. I've seen this movie before. But if we can say, hey, Compass, how has Jesus uniquely wired us? Who are we? We can figure out his calling for this season. Look, we're not going to marry ourselves to a strategy forever and ever, amen. We're not saying, if we do these seven things forever and ever, we're going to nail it. We're saying, hey, we're trying to map out a plan for the next three years. This is going to be just a guide, like fence posts for, to help us do this. All right? And look, why are those two things in brackets? It's because we're not doing them right now. It's because we haven't had a, a space where these things have happened at Compass for a long time. And so what we're doing, what we're, where we're starting is we're saying, let's start with the leadership. We can't give away what we don't have. We can't say, hey, you serve God out of your giftedness. Whoo, I'm exhausted and I hate what I do and this is so awful. But you go, say, what's going to happen is just like, I'm going to go more gray. We're not going to like each other. But we're starting with the leadership. We're starting with the staff, the elders. Who are we? What has God called us to be? How do we know? How do we learn these things and how do we map a path forward so we can invite people into this? Right now, 
This is aspirational. But we're saying, like, I actually think this is a church we would attend. I want to be a part of a church where they're not saying, hey, we just need warm bodies over here. Great, you're over there. Boom, we'll shove you in there. But rather, we're learning who we are and we're being on the specific mission that Jesus has called us to. Not the church down the street, not the church across the world. Who has he called us to be in our moment? How does grace teach us to live right now? So where do we start? How do we get going? Well, I am confident, I am confident that we need to start small. So if you have a phone, if you've got a piece of paper, I'm asking that you would be sensitive right now. God, give me a name. Who's someone that you're putting on my heart that I can start to bless? God, who's someone that's far from you that needs renewal? God, who's someone who doesn't know Jesus? Who's someone that was a part of a church but got burned by church and is very skeptical toward Christians? Who's someone I can bless? And just ask that he'd bring that to mind and write that name down. And then this week, just start praying for them. And look, we're already down the road. And we'll celebrate that. It's like, hey, I've been, pr I've been praying. That's great. That's a win. That's a W, all right? I don't feel like I did anything. No, 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 no. The prayers of the righteous accomplish a ton. We are righteous because the grace of God teaches us to live in our moment. We experience grace and we go and give grace. Who is your name? Who is the name of the person that you are going to ask God to torment you with? God, bring this person to mind. Who's that person that God is just bubbling up in you? And start praying. God, as we take baby steps, I pray we trust that you're with us along the way. God, bring names to mind. God, help us to be a people who live in the shalom of the gospel and invite others to do the same. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.